Welcome to According to Joe. This is Jim Perona on a nice May evening. I want to welcome everybody in and, and introduce our contributors tonight. Joe Martin, how are things going? Things are good, Jim. Beautiful weather finally. Got garden planted, you know, cutting grass, you know, summer's on the way. I like it. Excellent to hear. How about Emma? How are you doing? Good on my end. I just had a burger and it was very good. Good summer <laughs> night. And I just cut up a watermelon for the first time. Oh, very nice. That's the sign that summer is a coming. It you was know, a lot but... more difficult than I expected. Well, you'll learn. You'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. want to give a little agenda tonight. Start off with Supreme Court Justice uh, home protests. Then talk about some supply chain disruption and some diesel fuel shortages predicted to cover shooting that took place in Buffalo over the weekend. And last day, a ban on some filters and social media in both Illinois and Texas. Joe, let's start off with Supreme Court justices. Ever since the May 2nd leak of Samuel Alito's draft opinion in a Dobbs versus Jackson women's health court case was leaked, it has created an uproar, uh, certainly with a concern, the scorching opinion in a potentially potentially pivotal case may include an intention to overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. Since then, protesting outside of justices' homes um, as well as outside of the Supreme Court. And it has really brought up uh, concerns of saying, boy, are, are people going too far? What are your thoughts, Joe? You know, yeah, I think, I think people definitely are uh, taking it too far. You know, I'm all for protesting. I have no trouble with people protesting. Keep it peaceful. Keep it civil. But it's. I think it's wrong for two reasons. Firstly, a person's home. You know, I think that's your sanctuary. Leave people alone. You know, I would. Protesters wouldn't want me coming to their house. You know, raising hell. So don't come to mind doing it. And secondly, it's illegal. <laughs> it's it is against the law to protest it, to try to sway a judgment. I don't understand why that was even allowed to happen for one to to gather in front of a justice's home because it is planned against the law it should have been dealt with illegally well there have been protests uh, outside of samuel alito's home in fort hunt virginia chevy chase maryland and brett kavanaugh i'm not sure which of the suburbs uh, amy coney barrett lives I know Justice, Chief Justice John Roberts' home had protests uh, apparently as well in, in neighborhoods. Uh, it was uh, Alito, Kavanaugh, Barrett, Clarence Thomas, and Neil Gorsuch that all uh, signed the opinion, of uh, the mm -hmm. Samuel Alito's uh, opinion in that case. Joe, when you say that it's illegal, I assume it's it's due to this, this law about 72 years old, uh, 1950 law. It's a federal law that outlaws, that outlaws demonstrations that shall not interfere with with deliberation of a court, including demonstrations with an intent to influence the decision. Yeah, exactly uh, right. Yeah. That's the law. It's a criminal statute. Hearing as Republican lawmakers certainly have, have pushed for that to be, to be utilized. The U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland has talked about some of the portions of that law and the ways that it, it could be used. It's one of those things that they, <laughs> I think they've allowed it at outside courts and they just have let it go. But it is a good one to use to basically say, hey, get out of the neighborhoods. Uh, I don't know if we've all, I've seen it. I don't know if everybody's has seen the videos of, of protesters and of the neighbors uh, with their, you know, being concerned about it and that yeah. type of thing. Think about the neighbors. Just leave them alone. Sadly, the attorney general, he might be looking at it the wrong way, I'm afraid. I think... What's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong. 
it's good. No, it doesn't matter what they're protesting. It's still illegal to do so. Possibly, maybe he agrees with them. I don't know. But I'm just saying he should keep it a level playing field, keep it all straightforward one way or the other. What's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. I think it is an interesting concept because what you have is very few things do people feel this passionate about to drive them all the way to people's homes, a situation like this. And you picture if that were happening now at the the doorstep of every lawmaker, you know, anyone in any position, not just obviously Supreme Court justices, if you're the mayor, if you're, you know, the representative and you potentially have them uh, filling your front yard, always in the way of your children backing out of the driveway, that oh, type of, of thing. It, uh, I think most people would say some, some buffer might be good. Some of these rights, people get obviously very passionate about it and break through some of those barriers. They do. And like I said, I have absolutely no problem with people protesting as long as it's a lawful, peaceful protest. Our economy certainly has changed very quickly and about face. Certainly we had times where we're totally shut down during COVID. Now a very different in a situation where our economy has really opened up. And Joe, we are certainly noticing some supply chain disruptions. Some of the newest topics are an inability to find enough baby formula. Obviously, the fuel price hike has been so strong and upcoming uh, risk of diesel shortages. What the heck is going on? Unfortunately, I just I see it getting much worse before it gets better. I've read a, a few different articles of the predicted fuel shortages that are coming, and it could be possibly even outages in some areas. And if the trucks aren't moving, your products aren't going to get to the stores. And some of your everyday items could just be you know very very scarce and very hard to find and i think that's a very scary time that we're living in right now according to some figures we have a per gallon price of diesel the average in our country is 5.62 per gallon i think we've all seen the huge fuel increase fuel cost increase and that affects us by what we're putting into our cars every day but we don't do it with diesel and obviously with there who does that affect the truck drivers the farmers uh, the real industry, and you can't dispute Absolutely. that within those industries, I, I sometimes, an economist standpoint, I think these are commodities, they bounce around, that's the way life is. Talk about part that they will play in the inflation. All these products have to keep accounting for this additional cost of how to get their raw materials to them, how to go ahead and transport them to stores. These are going to be serious upcharges. Serious. It's, and, of course, it's going to get passed on to the consumer like, you know, everything does. I mean, the inflation rate right now is, is just unbelievably high. It, it's scary high. But I don't see it coming down. Any, I don't see a break in it. I don't know what the plan is to break this down, to give us some relief. Because, my goodness, you just look at some of the, some of the just orange juice, for example, or eggs. I mean, eggs are short already. I know they were talking about, you know, bird flu and everything, but my God, price of a dozen eggs is outrageous. People, you know, fixed income people, you know, fixed income seniors or just people that are, you know, in the poverty level, they can't afford it. You just plain and simple cannot afford it. It's just going to get worse for them and, and worse for everyone, unfortunately. It's, it's a bad time. It's, it's a bad time right now. Yeah, some of the, say, Joe, what is the plan? Is there a plan out there? And one of the questions no. is, okay, let's talk a little, a little bit about, okay, baby formula. That's one thing I mentioned. The short-term plan for that is there's been some, some shuttered plants 
there was a baby formula plant in in Michigan that now is the agreements come back online that they will go ahead and bring it back up. That's been reported. I believe that was reported today. Will not take any real effect in the market for 10, 12 weeks or whatever it'll take to get it back up and going, start shipping product and get that product into the stores. But obviously that would be on its way. But when we talk about the fuel costs and the fact that what's it going to take it's going to take uh, quite a bit of investment to go ahead and get places up and flowing fuel back from places that, hey, if those edges of our market shut down during a time when COVID, COVID activity was quite low, now the pedal is to the metal somewhat, and we're seeing that shortage. You have, obviously, the additional situation of Russia and the fact what they would have added on 10-15% of our, our oil, from what I understand. They provided 40% of Europe's oil, so a fuel. So it's a, a situation where you have an already tweaked market, already a very sensitive market. It's becomes a re- real strong issue for it, and uh, it's caused these crazy spikes in prices, which happen in these environments. And Joe, you know, what would you say, what would you think about how many oil rig, oil-producing spots there are in the united states and canada combined versus the rest of the world what, what what do you think that would that ratio would be i think it's very low i don't i don't think i'm not sure what the united states has i would have thought the same thing that it would be a much lower percentage the way it was explained to me by someone in that business was that it's about half and half that between the u.s and canada that we have for refining you're saying no 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 <laughs> to pull it out of the earth to, uh, to oh, pull out of the oh yeah, boy! If we only the had the, if we only had that somewhere to get the oil from, I got you now. Okay. Actually, these locations that can we we are pumping and ones that are active. The problem is we do have this uh, huge refinery shortage. I think specifically in the Northeast was one place where they're talking about a lot of trucking takes place. A few years, just a few years ago, there were 15 refineries in the Northeast of the United States. And right now there's seven. Fewer than half refineries exist today that just recently existed. And I think back to some news item that we talked about a few shows ago. Would you say, if you were a business, that you would put long-term investment into putting together fuel when the, the plans are to have things run on electricity within you know, 10, 15, 20 years? I, that may have some certain effect of it. I uh, couldn't agree more, Jim. I, I hate to be a cynic. conspiracy theorist, whatever. I think there might be something more to it than just a lack of refineries and a lack of oil. It's hard to sell electric vehicles if gas is affordable. So it it makes you wonder, who knows? I I would hate to think (laughs) that our country would do something like that. But again, I look at a lot of things and it it keeps pushing me and pushing me that way to be a cynic, but we'll see. And and just those refineries in the Northeast, you know, do you know when they closed by chance? How recent? I mean, I only asked because I was just wondering if it was the lack or the or adding more sanctions and more sanctions and more sanctions to the companies that it doesn't make it cost effective for them to even try. I know Patrick DeHaan, a vice president of communications at fuel price site Gas Buddy reported that retail truck shops are hauling fuel from the Great Lakes to the Northeast in an extraordinary pace, at such a pace that there was concern that there'd be restrictions on diesel purchases. Pilot, yeah. Both both Flying J and Loves have reported that uh, they told the Wall Street Journal uh, yesterday that they were not planning to restrict deal diesel purchases, but we've heard from others that uh, expect it later on this summer. 
In the past 15 years, Joe, in the past 15 years, according to Bloomberg, Bloomberg's Javier Blas wrote on May 4th that in the past 15 years, the number of refineries in the U.S. East Coast has gone from 15 to 7. The closures have reduced the region's oil producing capacity just 800,000 barrels per day, down from 1.64 million barrels per day in 2009. So the regional oil demand is higher. But the supply is half. <laughs> There's the problem. You know, supply and demand. That's that's the that's the real issue, it sounds like. Yeah, what you have is you had some that shuttered apparently during the Great Recession of two thousand and eight of some of those refineries. They had a Philadelphia refinery it was shuttered in twenty nineteen after a giant fire. There was another shutdown in twenty twenty. They have not has the rebuilding has not taken place. Eventually you will have investment if the money is there to pay off for it. But I think in the case of, of this one, you really do have, you know, would a company say, let's pump, you know, a couple billion dollars into something 20 years from now uh, might be, you know, you might say there's much less demand for it. I mean, when you're talking about these types of dollar amounts, I think it has really affected things. And I think it's a situation where it was masked a bit due to COVID and that to, and those times, but it's, uh, we're really feeling it now. We are. We are really feeling it. And again, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I wish I did. Until you, I, I understand the world economics with Russia and everything, but if we could just refine our own oil right here in the United States, we'd be in a better place. No one can dispute that. R Rory Johnson, a managing director of Toronto-based research firm Price Street and writer of the newsletter Commodity Context, told, stated that refining is a thankless industry with intense regulations that have limited the opening of new refi refineries. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. I think one other topic we should uh, make sure and mention is, so what happens in those situations when when you have to bring in all your, your oil and a situation where you, know, you have all this demand and very little supply? So one of the ways that has been very important to get it there was, is the Colonial Pipeline. This pipeline runs from Houston to New York City, or more specifically, Linden, New, Linden, New Jersey. It takes 18 days for oil, oil to travel from Houston to New Jersey. And one thing that is, uh, strangely enough, there's a market condition that's gone on recently where the spot price of the commodity, like diesel, is higher than the futures price, which is uh, rare in that market. What it's caused is some of the choices in Houston are rather than, think of how surprising this is, because of those 18 days, in some cases, they're actually shipping it to Europe because they're, they're able to raise prices and ship it to Europe and not have to wait for the, uh, you know, they can actually gain, get that, that spot price from the transaction to Europe, even though it's got to be boated there. Isn't that amazing? Wow, that is, that is amazing. No, I, but it, when you look at it that way, I see what, what they're saying about, you know, cost efficiency for the, for the company. I, I get that now. Well, that is how you get such crazy increases. That is how, you know, you drive through one part of the country and you see that, oh my gosh, it's, you know, besides the difference in taxes on it, when you see that, you know, one place is a dollar more or a dollar fifty more or whatever those things are, those are the reasons for it. When, uh, when you have to convince companies to just play in your area to bring their industry to you, it really is a, a big difference. Yeah, that makes sense. Next topic is a horrible story from Buffalo, New York. About 10 people were killed in a hate-fueled shooting rampage in a busy Buffalo supermarket Saturday afternoon. Buffalo police on Sunday identified those that were slain who ranged in age from 32 years old to 86 years old. Three more people were injured in the attack at the Topps Friendly Market store on Jefferson Avenue. 
There's a suspect, Peyton Gendron, who is 18 years old, is charged with first-degree murder, and officials say they will weigh additional charges in the coming days. Horrible story that Gendron even had a, a threatened to attack his high school last year. Just we're, we're hearing too many of these. Oh, way too many stories like this, Jim. It's sad. It's it's just sad to hear. It's just a tragedy that could have been avoided, should have been avoided. Again, nobody has the answer, it seems like, either on that topic either. It's just it's sad. Yeah, it's horrendous. I think the conversation that it brings up is very interesting of how social media platforms are involved in this. Basically, the backstory is he had been posting on platforms like Reddit. He live streamed the shooting on Twitch with a camera on his helmet. Twitch was able to take the live stream down within two minutes. However, within that two minutes, it was obviously recorded, screencasted, and then reshared to other platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and even I think on Twitter, they initially weren't going, but they weren't taking videos down. Facebook was doing the same thing. Eventually were able to, they eventually agreed to get some of the, take some of those videos down. But it raises a really interesting conversation, especially with the purchase of Twitter from Elon Musk, where he talks a lot about, or allowing more free speech on the platform, on platforms that are already under a lot of speculation on how to reduce hate crimes on their platforms raises a very interesting point of how much social media platforms should be accountable when things like this happen, especially if, you know, you can date back onto their platforms and see the user uh, inciting violence on that and then obviously reacting by live streaming on one of them. So I think two minutes is a pretty impressive turnaround time by Twitch compared to the others that we've seen that they shut it down that quickly. But, you know, that's, I, still, a, that's a still a very long time in terms of people being able to record it themselves yeah when i heard you say that i thought that was well pretty well done but you're right yeah. uh, in a situation like this with the type of weapon he had uh, there was probably a, a lot done in that time i didn't mention the fact it does more than reek of racism we have a some type of hate crime uh from what i understand there's not not a lot of obvious uh, relationships in his life that would have caused this but he did go to a, a mostly black area that even in some of the video there's a time when he points the weapon at a white person and says, sorry. Yeah, that's oh, wow. no, I did See, I haven't even seen any. I didn't even see the video yet. I saw the news clips about it, and I saw him uh, in court, I believe. But I haven't uh, actually seen the video myself. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to you know, look I, for it either. Yeah, I, I hadn't either. I, I read a description of it, and... And it mentioned that uh, with you know when they're trying to determine what you know what's the cause of this, why somebody would would go and do this. I don't know if you have anything to expound there. Yeah, I think I read. I'm sorry, I'm go ahead. Oh no, you know you're good. I, it's just it's interesting, you know, in the wake of the January sixth that happened at the White House, where there was a lot of speculation then around how much Donald Trump's tweets at the time were to blame for the groups coming together and all that kind of stuff. It's an inter and then there's been. There was a shooting, I think, in New Zealand that was live streamed, and then one in Germany who was live streamed on Facebook, one in 2019 and one, I think, in 2020. And it just raises some points on how platforms should be held accountable for it or if they should be doing more. I don't even know where you kind of begin with that. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a, a sad state of our society that that becomes some kind of twisted entertainment for people to watch. If you, I mean, if you're live streaming something, you must have some kind of fan base. 
It's it's pretty sickening, really. I, I have to admit, I don't yeah I don't understand the the drive to do it, but I, I certainly understand. You're right. It, it it it's not something I'd like for the United States to be famous for, but boy, we are certainly building up a reputation. There's no question about that. Well, let's switch to a different topic. Uh, this is a time, Joe. We often say that talking about elections. If you're talking about you know what what two states normally agree with each other, I'm not sure we'd say these two states, but. Fun social media filters are now banned in Texas and Illinois. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, turned off AR filters in those two states after they're accused of misusing facial recognition technology. Some filters are still available on apps like Facebook and Instagram, but the filters that use facial recognition are now gone thanks to these new state laws. Yeah, you don't see... uh... Illinois and Texas usually agree on anything, but um, it seems like they came together on this one. I think Emma is uh, pretty well informed on this. Yes, I had originally not realized how much, like you guys were talking about earlier, of it being about the biometric data, but it appears that Texas and Illinois both have similar laws around around company consent to store biometric data. They both recently had lawsuits where they alleged that the facial tech, the facial recognition t- technology was not being used properly. Meta and Facebook say very much uh, claim that that's not the case. What I didn't understand about it was that they are in the process of making an opt-in system for those for Illinois and Texas. So then that way you could still have the filter have the choice of opting into it. And I guess that is the way to get a lot around the biometric data laws that both lawsuits have countered, or both lawsuits have come up with. So this uh, angle is basically could, could have two effects. From what I understand, there, there's both the, do we think that this is at all based on self-esteem issues and trying to uh, avoid that being done that way, or that it's more on the angle of AI? I mean, it must be the angle of AI based on the decision being so quickly against the reason why they did it was because of the lawsuits. I had initially, and I, the conversation I had seen online was more so around the social me- or the self-esteem issues that the sites, ha- social media has been in the topic of causing for younger girls. I think it'll be an interesting, you know, if they're building an opt-in system, I don't know how long this will be in place, but it could be an interesting case study if it does end up helping in some some regard. Do they mention any kind of age group uh, that they're kind of these filters are bothering? No, the this Texas capture or use of the Biometric Identifier Act, the, the Texas law, and it's uh, it's not certainly not targeting just the youth. Oh, okay. I think there's also that interest, yeah, in the fact that Joe, as you said, you know, you, you hear of the same thing having to happen in Illinois and California, not Illinois and Texas. <laughs> exactly right. That that that's the, the most shocking part of the whole story for me. All right, now it's time for Emma with the news. Thank you. The first top news topic I have here, and to no surprise, it's a Florida topic as per usual. Reckless driver said arrest was on her bucket list. A 19-year-old South Florida woman who fled from law enforcement in the Florida Keys on Thursday told the deputy who caught up to her that getting arrested was on her bucket list. She was charged with fleeing and eluding. This happened just before 8 a.m. The woman said getting arrested had been on her bucket list since high school was the main main line. Well, if uh, you're, you're a little bored at 7 a.m., just start... <laughs> 
driving Just try to outrun the police, I guess. <laughs> try yeah, to drive the a little police. reckless and go from there. <laughs> and try to fulfill a lifelong dream of being arrested. I hope it was everything she had hoped for. <laughs> like they like they say, you can't fix stupid. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like to I I wouldn't be surprised if that policeman was speechless after that. <laughs> How could you not be? Yeah, that'd be a tough one. Oh, Next good. up a more feel-good story. Guinness World Records, a 100-year-old man holds the longest career at 84 years at the same company. Wow. A man in Brazil, awesome. yeah, he's setting records for staying at the same company for over eight decades. Last month, Walter Orthman turned 100 years old and celebrated with his coworkers, friends, and family. He also obviously celebrated his Guinness World Records accomplishment. He started working as a shipping assistant when he was 15 years old in January 1938 at a textile company in Santa Catarina, Brazil. The company has since changed names, but it's been there since he was 15. Well, that is a I great story. Good for him. It is. I, I'm not surprised the company's changed names. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if yeah. in 86, 84 years it hasn't changed three or four times. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, the Brazilian Walter, well, what, a, what a neat run. Uh, talk about somebody that's figured out what to do with his life and is very happy. And let's just say it, he's 100 years old and yeah. still, con still contributing there. A hundred years old and celebrating with his co-workers. Now, that's impressive. That's fantastic. Pretty crazy. The picture, he looks pretty good, too. He looks more like 80 than 100, so the textile company must have kept him young, I guess. Good for him. Good for Walter. Well, anyone, if you're thinking of a place where you can live long and uh, in your retirement, Santa Catarina, Brazil. <laughs> Next up, pilot down, passenger takes over with no idea how to fly. A passenger with no flying experience radioed an urgent plea for help when the pilot of a small plane suddenly fell ill off Florida's Atlantic coast and was he was able to land the plane safely with the help of air traffic controllers. He called in and said, I've got a serious situation here and my pilot has gone incoherent. I had no idea how to fly the airplane and the air traffic control landed him to safety. Wow. I don't think I'd have been, I don't know if I'd have had the nerves to land it myself. Yeah, that really sounds like a movie. It All does. you got to do is turn to Florida and you'll have, you'll yeah. have a movie-like circumstance. I'm impressed. That is, wow. that is a great reaction, a great way. I'm sure they were good in walking through it, but the first time in your life is on, <laughs> on, on the yoke there. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how long it took them to get him down. I mean, it had to be a process. I mean, they just said... He asked if they if he knew the position of like where he was, and he said, "I have no idea. I can see the coast of Florida in front of me." And the air traffic control told him to maintain wing levels and to try to follow the coast, either north or southbound. Wow! But I, that was about it. I think. Wow, that's amazing too. That is amazing. Even just finding the landing strip, I'm amazed that he could do it. Yeah, you know? that, that's really cool. Last one here. Oh, rats. As New, York, New Yorkers emerge from pandemics, so do rodents. Oh, jeez. Um, as the coronavirus pandemic rolled in New York City, rats have crawled to the surface, scur scurrying out of subterranean nests into the open air, feasting on a smorgasbord of scraps in the streets, parks, and mounds of curbside garbage. As diners shunned the indoors for outdoor dining, so did the city rats. Now, city data suggests that sightings are more frequent than they've been in a decade. Through April, people have called in some 
7,400 rat sightings to the city's 311 service request line. That's up from about 6,150 during the same period last year, and up by more than 60% from roughly the first four months of 2019, the last pre-pandemic year. In each of the first four months of 2022, the number of sightings was the highest recorded since at least 2010, and by comparison, there were about 10,500 sightings in all of 2010 and 25,000 such reports in all of last year. Sightings are obviously more frequent during warm months. That is tough. I hate rats, first off. I'd, I'd flip out if I saw one anyway, but ugh, that's gross. Emma, I know you've lived there for a summer. If you could just uh, mention, you know, one of the ways of why they'd be seen around so much is that the garbage is out on the, on the sidewalks, right? Yeah. I would say in the subway systems, you know, you're underground. Everybody's taking the subway every day. They're very prevalent. I mean, even in Chicago, I see them, but I think I saw them a little bit more in New York, obviously because of the sidewalk garbage. But in Manhattan, the garbage is not put into alleys. There's some locations that don't have alleyways. They are just used to setting the garbage out on the sidewalks. At least in Chicago, they're they're probably more prevalent in the alleyways. <laughs> um, in New York, you might be eating at the nice sidewalk uh, spot. Aww. Joe, it may not be the spot for you. No, and I, I have seen it firsthand. It, it just it just gives me the chills. I, I oh, it's a it's horrible. Yeah, it's it's interesting, too, because I just saw this article. In October of 2021, Chicago ranked the rattiest city by Orkin Pest Control for the seventh straight year. See, I would have guessed New York. Yeah, it must just be because in Chicago, the the alleys are so effective that just (laughs) you don't see it. This says that the top ten is Chicago. This was based in, what is this, October 2021, like I said. Chicago is one, Los Angeles is two, New York is three. I'm sure. Yeah, and I guess in my neighborhood, we have cats at work. There are signs again. I've seen the cats. They live in our neighborhood, and they're they're basically city workers <laughs> that live in our neighborhood, and our their sole job is to eat the rats. In our good for them. Yeah, they they have you know great benefits. They get meals and. <laughs> but it's very funny. I so I would not have expected that Chicago would beat New York, but maybe no, who knows at this point. I wouldn't have thought that either. All I can say is wow. Yeah. That is all the news I had. Well done. Good job. Some interesting ones there. We certainly heard from Florida as well as right around us. Joe, I know you haven't gotten your ire up here in a few minutes, so let's talk about some of the strategies of how to go ahead and uh, reduce gas prices in our country have been, have abound, and obviously it's a big focus. Recently, uh, President Biden's group has decided to do some things like to release some oil from the reserve. I know that's a a lever that is talked about a lot. It has been put into place. What are your thoughts? Everyone is being crushed by these gas prices. The president has gone ahead and released a million barrels a day from the strategic stockpile, and it has done absolutely nothing. The price is still going up, going up, going up. All it's doing is depleting our supply. I say stop it. Just, it's not doing any good. Predict, it's predicted that we have something like 580 million barrels in the stockpile, or, or you know, the, the government doesn't release the number, but enough. That's it. It's not doing anything, so just plain stop. Well, the numbers don't lie, and Joe is correct. It, is not, it has not made an effect. So Joe's soapbox is strategic oil supply. Keep it where it is. Amen I will that. say I will say I had the luxury of filling up my vehicle for seventy-two dollars. Wow! This weekend, which I have, you know, a decent-sized tank and mid-sized SUV, I guess you would say, but smaller SUV, I think. But um, yeah, that was not as pleasing. And I did that in Spring Valley, so 
even not the city. Yuck. Yep. I heard someone else that has a full-size truck, full-size pickup truck. Their cost was $97 this weekend. It's no joke. No. All right. I'm going to try and finish off today. We're just not going to really call it a trivia game. Let's call it trivia time. And this trivia time activity is the largest countries in the world. Oh, boy. Right up your I'm alley, not, Emma. I'm not confident. <laughs> countries of the world trivia. I took the rankings of the 10 largest countries by economy, population, and landmass. So we have three separate top 10 lists, economy size, population, and landmass size. With these three top 10 lists, we basically have 30 country spots, okay? Okay. 30 country spots on there. Some of them I obviously repeat. So my first question to you is that there are three countries that appear on each of the three lists. Name those countries. United United States. States. That's correct. You said it's landmass, population, and what else? Economy. Gross domestic product. What would be a very large country and have a lot of population? You can do it. China. Say that again. China. China is correct. Nicely Pop- done. Economy-wise, the U.S. has the largest economy. China has the second. What is the third country that is on all three lists of gross domestic product, population, and landmass? It's got to be Russia, yeah? I feel no? like they don't use so much of their country. <laughs> so I don't know if the population should be up there. <laughs> It's a good guess. It is a good guess. They will be an answer on the next question. They're on two of the three, but they are not in the in population, and they're in landmass, but their economy is not a top 10 in the world economy. So I'll give you a hint. Think population. India? India, the second largest populous country in the world, one of the two over 1 billion people. It is sixth in economy size, second in huh. population, and seventh in landmass. Interesting. So, so those three countries, China, the U.S., and India, I'll say in that order because the China is second in economy, first in population, and third in size. U.S. is first in economy, third in population, and fourth in landmass size. So mm-hmm. those three. Joe, the next question. Three countries are on two of the three lists. Name them. You've already mentioned Russia. I will mention when I get to the, uh, when I get to the portions of the question that are talking about what continent leads things here. I did include Russia as Asia. It has both okay. a pres- presence in Europe and Asia, but I did just count it in Asia for these purposes. Okay. But who are the other two countries that are on two of the three? Go ahead, Emma. I'm trying to think. I mean, like one of the Australia. That, I don't know how big Australia is. Australia is the sixth largest landmass, but is on neither of the other two lists. How about Brazil? I was thinking Brazil. Yeah. Well done. Brazil is fifth in landmass and sixth in population, not on the highest economy. So you've gotten Russia and Brazil, and there's one more. My hint will certainly give it away. Well, maybe not. It probably um, won't be. <laughs> it's a North American country. Oh, Canada? Yes, Canada. I thought you might guess Mexico when I said that, but nicely done. Mexico, Mexico is 10th ten, in population, and it's in the teens in landmass, but it is not in it. Uh, Canada is the second largest landmass country in the world. Russia is oh. the largest. Canada is second largest. And Canada is ninth in economy. It is the ninth largest economy in our world. I wouldn't so, have guessed that, actually. Question number three. Of those 30 spots, which continent has the most spots? So of those 30 countries, obviously a number of them are repeated on here. Which which continent has the most? And it's a blowout. Go ahead, Emma. 
Take a fire. Take a shot at it. What did you say about Asia earlier? You can just say Asia is the answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good guess. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't know you guess. No, you're right. That, that hemisphere has 70 or 75, 80% of the world's population is, yeah. uh, is in that hemisphere. Well, it's because of these 30, Asia has 14 of them. Again, I counted Russia just in Asia. That was two of the spots, but they have 14 of the 30. Next is North America with six. Europe with just four. All of Europe's basically come in the economy. They have, they have countries with large economies. But they uh, just do not have, obviously, the land mass or the, they're not large enough to have the population. South America with three, you guys guessed it, Brazil is two of those three spots. And Africa, which have two. What I refer to as Oceania, which is the one, that's the Australia that Emma mentioned, sixth in land mass. That makes up the 30 spots. So pretty good so far. What I'm also going to say is, well, I should have given, shouldn't have given this one away. Are there any continents with no countries on the list? I, I already mentioned six six continents, so there's only one continent left. I want to sound dumb. Uh, Antarctica, though. There you go. Antarctica. That was the easiest one. All right. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one is, I am going to set the over-under at 10 of how many you guys can name of the 15 countries remaining. We mentioned that there are nine of the spots are taken up by the three, China, U.S., and India. Then six spots are taken up by Canada, Russia, and Brazil. There's 15 more. I'm going to predict that you can guess 10 or more. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to trust in you. So, oh, boy. You've already mentioned, Emma, I already mentioned Australia, so I'll give you that one already. That one's circled here. Name, so in other words. Mexico. I, she gave us Mexico. She also, Mexico is, uh, is the 10th largest by population. Over 100 million people in Mexico. What else? We're talking about largest economies. How about Japan? Japan, third largest economy in the world. Well done, Joe. That's three. Greenland's pretty big from landmass standpoint, right? Yeah, it is. And it's not on the list, obviously. Or surpri surprisingly, it's it's not on the landmass list. It's not it's not one of the tenth largest in the world. How about South Africa? No, there are two South African nations, neither that are on this. One is for population with over, I believe, over 200 million people in this country. And then there is the landmass. The largest landmass country in Africa is 10th in landmass. Algeria is the landmass country. I said that because I assumed you wouldn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so much for having faith in this, Jim. <laughs> Argentina? Argentina, boy, she goes right away from Africa, and she is correct. Argentina is eighth in landmass. That's the second biggest from Brazil, I think. Yep, second largest in South America, no doubt about that. You've exhausted the South American countries, and you have one, two, three, four. You need six more. Probably like uh, Mongolia? No? I know that's no, no. no. large country by landmass, but, but certainly not big enough. You'd be surprised how many of these think about some Asian countries that have some of the largest population in the world. Yeah, how about Vietnam? No, not 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 enough. You, yeah, you so still you have not yet named the fourth largest country in the world by population, the fourth or fifth. Is it Kazakhstan? How do you say that? Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, very well. Kazakhstan is the ninth largest landmass country in the world. You got an Asian country there. Good job. One, two, three, four, five. Five more to go. Or, is Iran? Iran's kind of big. No, I, so why don't you start focusing on population or economy? Population okay. or economy? You haven't mentioned any European countries. UK. The United Kingdom, fifth in economy. Very good. What other European countries would be in the? You haven't named the fourth largest. 
the seventh largest, the eighth largest, or the tenth largest. How about Ukraine? No, no, it's large. It's actually a large country, but not has a poor economy and and just not nowhere near enough people. I don't know. France. France, seventh largest economy in the world. Yeah, Spain. Have, yeah, Spain or Spain Poland. Spain is in the teens, um, does, does not make this list. You're still missing a European country that is the fourth largest economy in the world. In my lifetime, at one point, it was the largest economy in the world. Germany. Germany is correct. I knew Joe would get that one. That's eight. You need at least two more. You ha- you're missing the uh, an island nation, uh, many, many islands in, the sel- in, in South Asia that make up the fourth largest population country in the world. Indonesia. Yep. Indonesia. Indonesia, very good. Indonesia, Indonesia, yeah. over 200 million people in Indonesia. That's wild. It is. It all Isn't that there. crazy? So I already mentioned Algeria. There's one, two, three, four, five left. Um, Emma, you'll be traveling to one of these. I'll give you that. Italy? Italy is the eighth largest economy in the world. And what's left in Africa? The landmass, you said? No, the population country in, in Africa. Oh, population. I mentioned Algeria was the largest landmass yeah. already. Okay. You can either get that one. You can get a the fifth largest population country. It's in Asia. It's not what you'd expect. You'd picture caves and rocks there, but they have the fifth largest amount of people in the world. Also on this list, Joe, is the only country that we know of that ends in H. Oh, ends in H. I believe you asked me this. It was a final I did ask Jeopardy you that. Question. It was a final Jeopardy question. <laughs> and now I'm struggling with it. And I, I came up with it in a reasonable amount of time. You did. You did. Yeah. And I didn't, re- I didn't retain it, obviously. I'm trying to think. And not a huge country by landmass. Very small uh, compared to these others. That ends in an H. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll retire it here. You did get the 10. I gave Emma the, the hint. And on the Italy one, but uh, there is, you've named Japan, Germany, UK, Indonesia, France, Italy, Mexico, Australia, Argentina, and Kazakhstan. Who you're missing is South Korea, the 10th largest economy in the world. Pakistan, Pakistan, the fifth largest country in the world population. Bangladesh. Bangladesh, yeah. (laughs) My my brain has been spinning. (laughs) That's the 11th. Very good. Ooh. That is the, the only country of whatever, the 200 whatever countries that uh, NNH, Bangladesh, oh. the eighth Ooh. largest country population-wise. I know this wasn't for everybody. But, uh, you guys did pretty well, I think, on this. So good job. <laughs> that was really hard. That was hard, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, these the ones that are on all the lists are pretty obvious, uh, but, but boy, the rest of them. Uh, not easy to tell that Nigeria, Joe. Nigeria is the seventh largest oh, population Nigeria. country in the world. The uh, only African contingent there. That's not even that big of a like compared to the other parts of Africa. Interesting. No, look at the map. It's big. It is big. Yeah, look oh, at the map. And there are other African nations over 100 million as well. Just uh, none larger than Mexico, tenth on the list. I think uh, Egypt as well over, but yeah. not in the top ten. Anyway, we all learned something today. Hopefully, everybody. Yeah. Joe, I think before we uh, before we head out, we should also mention that we have some ways for our listeners to access us, maybe interact over time. They can reach out to us in the social medias. How are they going to do that? Well, uh, we're going to have a nice Facebook page. It'll be according to Joe. You can uh, search that on your Facebook links there. I'll just mention that 
If you're a listener to the show and you'd like to appear, you have a specialty subject and would like to compete against Joe in trivia at the end of an episode, feel free to hit him up at the Facebook page, According to Joe, and not only respond to you, but maybe we'll get a chance to set up a time to go ahead and record you as uh, to follow up <laughs> the strong efforts by Doug Colmoni. <laughs> uh, great, let's wrap things up. I want to definitely thank Emma for the contributions with the news and commentary along the way. Another good week of hearing Joe Martin's opinions. This is Jim Perona saying, good night, everybody. <laughs>